Welcome to the Believe Podcast, a conversation between friends over a passage of scripture. I'm Carolyn Kirsten. And I'm Marvin Williams. And today is episode 118, continuing our chronological look through the Gospels. And we're hitting on two different scenes uh, today with Jesus when yep. he is rejected in his hometown and then also commissioning the 12 apostles. Absolutely. So um, question for you and for me. Um, when you hear the statement, uh, familiarity breeds contempt, uh, that's a very, that's an old proverb. And um, typically, what do you think about? Okay, a couple things like um, I, things related to my house, like when, you know, something that I loved, whether like a decorating style or a specific piece of furniture, but then it's always there. And then it's just kind of like, ah, I'm tired of it. Yeah. And yeah. wanting to update, like I'll, I'll go through phases of like, ah, we really need to update our, you know, get new curtains in the bedroom and a new bedspread. We've had this for so long. So I think of that. I can also think of people related, <laughs> like uh, maybe habits of particular family members that I'm close to, like leaving drawers open <laughs> consistently, which can get under my skin. So whoa, whoa, whoa. I can also I can also go there. But how about you? <clears throat> yeah. So I, I think it's it's this whole idea that I'm so familiar with someone or something. I'm no longer impressed with it. I'm no longer, in fact, I no longer appreciate it. It's mm. almost like you're taking it for granted. Yeah. And uh, kind of like what you're talking about, we're not naming any names of individuals like, okay, I, I just like, like you're, you're taking me for granted that I'm going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a sense that we can become so familiar with things that we, um, we're no longer impressed with it or by them or uh, we no longer appreciate it yeah. like we should. And the reason why that, you know, that's, I asked that question is because this first episode that we're looking at or this first story that we're looking at is um, I, I think this this statement, this proverb can be applied to Jesus's life because he finishes teaching. Um, he was on the other side in the last episode. He did some healing and those kinds of things. And so he says, hey, I want to go home. I want to go home. And so he decides to go back to Nazareth and what he typically what he typically does when he goes to a, a new town, he goes to the synagogue and there he begins teaching. And um, you would think that the people would say, yes, Jesus, mm -hmm. you're back home. They didn't respond that way, did they? No, not at all. And in <laughs> fact, it wasn't even a neutral response. Yeah. They're offended by and like, who is this guy? Yeah. Isn't this like Joseph's son? We've known him since he was a kid. I mean, that's some of yeah, that's interpretive, yeah, that's right. but, that's right, but right. that, but that sense, like, who does he think he is yeah. teaching us and telling us these things? Like, he's just, he's just the carpenter's kid. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is, is that they're not so much offended by what he did. I think they're offended by who he is hmm. because they said, you know, where does he get these teachings? He's never gone to rabbi school. Um, you know, as you mentioned, who does he think he is? Isn't his brothers and sisters are among us? This is Mary's son. And I think they kind of mock him a little bit where they're properly mocking his birth, whether he's a legitimate child of Joseph or mm -hmm. whether he's not a legitimate child of Joseph. So, so they're really attacking his character, who he is, 
And, um, and so not so much what he did. And even while he's there, he's able, this is what Mark says. I love what Mark says. He, he's, he did some miracles and he, uh, pretty much he did a few miracles, which lets me know, I think he wanted to do more. There was potential for more. There's more potential yeah. for more, potential for more teaching, potential for more um, miracles or works of power. Mm -hmm. And um, and Mark says something very curious, probably kind of a, a sad part of the Bible. Mark says, you know, he just laid his hands on a few sick people and that's it. And but he didn't do very much there because of what their yeah, because of their lack of belief. Their lack of belief. Yeah. They, so so there's this sense, this connection with works of power and faith, mm -hmm. faith and works of power. And again, as you mentioned, potential to do so much more there. And I would think that Jesus would want to do more in his hometown. Sure. Because, I mean, we have a tendency to do more for the places we've been. Uh, C.J. Stroud former quarterback for Ohio State. Um, we don't want to mention that name too much. Uh, but anyway, he just just literally gave millions of dollars to Ohio State because that's where he played. Mm -hmm. It's a place he loved. And I believe Jesus wanted to do more there. But because of their unbelief, um, he could not do more than he wanted to. Yeah. And, which then, it, and they just miss out. They miss out. Absolutely. I mean, that it's their own, their as you mentioned, Jesus's power is activated by faith and belief and they didn't have any. So they miss out yeah. on seeing who Jesus was, what he could do, feeling his experience and his healing, um, learning from his teaching. They miss yeah. out. Yeah. And I started thinking, what keeps us, what part of our, you know, is it, does God want to do more in my life? Does mm -hmm. he want to do more in your life? Does he want to do more in our church? Does he want to do more in our family? And and how much are we like the people of Nazareth where we take offense to something that Jesus has said? We we take offense to him asking us to give up, carry our cross and follow him daily. Like, man, that's offensive. Like in John chapter six, we covered that a number of episodes ago where Jesus says, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood, you know, you'll have life in you. They were offended by him mm -hmm. when he said that. And so I wonder sometimes how much am I missing out on mm -hmm. because of my lack of faith and how much are our friends missing out on because of their lack of faith? And so this kind of really kind of shook me a little bit and said, you know, what is the temperature of my faith? And um, so <clears throat> so anyway, that's that's uh, one of those things that are a little bit more convicting to me. Yeah. And where am I limiting the power of Christ yeah. in my life and in other places? Yeah, it's a good question to ask ourselves. Like, is my um, vision, my picture of God too small. Like yeah. they thought, Oh Jesus, he's just the carpenter's son. He's just the kid we knew in the neighborhood. And they missed out because their vision of him, their view of him was too small. Yeah. Not impressed with you, Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and, and not even appreciative. Mm -hmm. uh, but they've had, they had heard all that he had done and he comes home and they are literally unimpressed mm -hmm. with the with the with the Son of God. So I just think that's a yeah. again just and, another and also true. It doesn't take much faith. Yeah, I mean in other 
other parts of the gospel, Jesus says faith like a mustard seed, teeny tiny. Yeah. Think of sesame seeds on the top of a hamburger, like that's, but even smaller, <laughs> right, I right, think. Right. A mustard seed is so tiny. It doesn't take much faith. So these, these, the Nazarites must have had none. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take much. It's not like we have to have huge faith to see God at work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But being willing to expand our belief to say, I, I do believe you're here with me. I do believe you're active in this circumstance. I do believe that you care about whatever is happening or this relationship. And, uh, and that's when we don't miss out. We get yeah, to see absolutely. God at work. And, and even just to let people know, if you're, again, if you listen to this, God wants to do mighty works in your life. And uh, as Carolyn mentioned, it takes, takes faith, small amount of faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing when we read and engage the word of God. So Jesus, Jesus can't do very many miracles here. So he decides to leave and go to other villages uh, to, you know, to teach and to do miracles there as well. And so that's exactly, uh, that's exactly what he does. And so he calls the 12 to him. He doesn't want to do this work by himself. Mm -hmm. He wants to be able to expand the ministry of preaching about the kingdom of God. And so, um, so that's what he does. <clears throat> he delegates his authority to them and he sends them out. Mm -hmm. But then he gives them some very, very interesting instructions as he sends them out. Yeah. And I love in Matthew, um, chapter nine, verses 36 and 37, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them yeah. because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think that's so important for us to remember, like yeah. throughout all of Jesus's ministry, the lens he is looking through is compassion. Yeah, That's what he sees when he sees the people in front of him. That's what he sees when he sees us. It is a lens of compassion. And then he goes on to invite all of his followers, not yeah. even just these 12, but all of these followers. Then he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So he's he's inviting all of us yeah, yeah. into this mission of compassion, of, That's really of good. coming alongside other people and sharing the gospel, the good news. Yeah, that's really good. It's and it, and no one is left out. It's not for yep. um, the professionals. Uh, we like to say it truly is for for everyone. And I, I love your angle on uh, Jesus's compassion. <clears throat> We've talked a lot about his compassion, his mercy. Last episode we talked about his mercy, um, and now we see uh, his heart is broken over individuals who are uh, sheep like sheep without a shepherd. And hence he goes and he sends his followers out um, to meet yes. them. And, and he gives them a number of instructions as he does send them out. Yes, he does. I'm looking at the wrong chapter in Luke nine. That's where he does. So, um, yeah, he calls. So then he does select 12. Um, who sent on very specific mission. And I, there are, um, he tells them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. 
And wherever they do not receive you, when they when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. I his instructions are a little bit unusual. Like yeah. he's not saying have your be ready for anything. Right, right. And have be sure you have got all your gear so yep, you yep. can take care of this all yourself. He really is setting them up to be dependent on him. Yep. They have really bare bones of what they take nothing, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money. Hello. Like that's not usually how I travel. <laughs> they, but they are. So the, he is sending them out to be dependent yeah. on him yeah. for their, really for their daily. Literally provision. for their daily, their yes, daily provision. Where to stay, yep. how to eat. Um, it does make me think back to the Israelites in the desert and daily manna. They, you know, had to depend on God's provision every single day. And that's what Jesus is setting up these 12 apostles to do. Yeah. And, and he, and, and Jesus even says, Hey, look, I, I want you to go and look for, um, he, another version, another translation says a person of peace or mm-hmm. a, the worthy person. That is a person whose heart is ready, um, not only to receive the gospel, but also to receive them. And, and Jesus does something that I think we would do well to pay attention to, he tells them that, hey, listen, even though I've given you my authority, even though you're going with compassion, even though you're going with power, you're going to run into some people who will receive you and some people who will reject you. He said, I'm sending you out like among wolves, which lets me know that even though we, we have all the provision that Jesus is giving us, there will be times where it will be difficult. Mm-hmm. It will be difficult to share the gospel. It will be difficult where people will hostily reject um, his disciples and us, um, his disciples then and us now, even when we share the good news. There are some people who are just not ready to hear it, and they will be angry that we're even talking about this. Are you still believe that? And and yet Jesus warns them. So I think they won't be surprised when it actually happens. And so, yes, he's sending them out as dependent children mm-hmm. um, for this this mission. And um, and I think that's that's the that should be our posture is that we are. Yes, we have things we have um, technology. We have a lot of things that, that God has blessed us with, but ultimately he wants us to be dependent on him for the harvest, for the people who are going to respond to the gospel. It's not all the tricks of the trade we have. It's not all the, the, the ingenuity that we have. It's not because we glibly, uh, share this good news. It truly is the power of the spirit of God that changes people's minds, opens people's eyes to see the gospel, respond to it. And we get to celebrate that. We get to celebrate the power of God, not because we have a lot of good technology, not because we're good with our words. Mm -hmm. It's because it's the power of God resting on uh, our, our words, our obedience, and then the spirit of God resting on their ears and their heart to say, yeah, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we get to celebrate, the power of God at work in people's lives. Yeah. And I think we can hear that both ways. If we're coming from a position of thinking, oh, I've got this. I've got, you know, I can, I can, I know the right things to say. I know how to, I'm a great people person to build relationships. Well, nope, actually, that's when we need to remember, nope, we're depending on him. But maybe we are on the other side and think, I don't think I can do this. Absolutely. I don't know how to really have good. a disciple making, uh, you know, a disciple making friendship. I 
actually you can because you can depend on him. He's going to supply what you need. So I, I think throughout, particularly in Matthew 10, um, the, he records a lot more detail. And it is this beautiful combination of encouragement yeah. of like, yes, depend on me. I will provide what you need. And as you said, and it's going to be hard. Yeah. This is this is not an easy thing. You will have to depend on me, but I'm providing for you. And it kind of yeah, just yeah, keeps yeah, going yeah, back absolutely. and forth, back and forth. Love I it. love that even the um, one of my favorite common phrases, particularly when I would teach children's ministry lessons, is included here about having no fear and that God knows how many hairs are on our heads. Like that's how much he closely knows us. Each individual person. I don't even know. I mean, I have no idea how many hairs I have on my head. And I don't even know why that's important. I can probably count mine. Okay, so. <laughs> well, all right, that's fair. Uh, but that God cares about that. Yeah. Good goodness. I don't need to worry about a thing. If if he's keeping that close of care and concern for me. Love it. There's nothing I need to worry about. So we can so overthink what it looks like to be a disciple, to make disciples. So, but we can also trust that he's got it. Yeah, he, we absolutely. can depend on him. <clears throat> One of the other things I really appreciate about this section is that he sends them to the Jews, um, to the the people of the uh, the lost house of Israel, which which uh, again he's sending them to specific people. There's a territory that they are a part of, which is instructive for us as well. Now, whereas we're called to all people, I believe that God sometimes sends us to people specifically toward, you know, our bent and um, preparing a group of people for just for us because we're relatable. We can relate to that group of people. Um, sometimes he he says, okay, I'm going to call you to a group of people that you don't know. But but the truth is, is that I think we're all called to, yes, everyone, mm. but I believe there's also a niche or a niche that God calls us to, to say, I think you're going to do well among this group of people. Just like some missionaries, mm -hmm. they feel a call from God to go serve among these people. And after prayer and fasting and discernment, they say, yeah, these are my people. And I believe that that's the... Uh, I believe that's true of all of us as well. And I think a question we should be asking, to whom is God calling me? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a question we should ask on a regular basis and keeping our eyes open. Is there, do, do I have a heart for young people? Do I have a heart for children? Do I have a heart for men? Do you have a heart for women? Do you have, um, do we have a heart for the homeless? I think God gives us not only individually, but I believe as a church, he also gives us a group of people, this is your, this is your people, and I want you to be faithful to this neighborhood, to this zip code. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I love that, uh, that Jesus sends them to the Jews. And obviously later on, we see him sending them literally to everyone. But in this case, he sends them to Jews. These are your specific people. Mm -hmm. And I want you to, I want you to minister to them. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned it a little bit already, but Jesus says, expect rejection. Yeah. Even the scene we talked about at the top of this episode, he was rejected in his hometown. So some people will accept you. Some people will re reject you, but that's not the measure of the success of your mission. Like we are to be faithful um, in what God has called us to do. And some people will accept it and some won't. My husband is a high school football coach and has 
for 23 years, been the head coach. And he, um, boy, if he was wishing to be accepted by every single parent, yeah. uh, a, a community member who has an opinion right, right. on what he should be calling, you know, on Friday nights or whatever, like that would drive him crazy. Absolutely. And yeah. he said, he would say a number of times, and he actually was better at this than me. Um, because I did want to have, you know, answers for the parents in the stands who are complaining or whatever, but he would say, I have to trust my reputation to God mm -hmm. to do what I know, what I believe is best and trust my reputation to God. He can, he determined he couldn't chase down every single person who might disagree or, sure. and try to convince them. He's like that. I just have to trust my reputation to God. And that has I just, I love that statement. stuck with me because I think that is true. Even in our faith walk, we, we do what we are called to. And, and for sure, we want to do things and approach people in loving, emotionally healthy ways. Yeah. Yeah. But then we ultimately have to trust our reputation to God. There will be people that yeah. reject us. There will be people that don't want anything to do with spiritual stuff that we're talking about. And that's okay. Yeah. And I think Jesus, uh, even, even during the rejection um, Jesus tells them, Hey, listen, um, I want you to stand on your faith and keep trusting mm -hmm. because sometimes with rejection, we have a tendency to think that they're rejecting us and we mm -hmm. get, we have depressive feelings. And then we say, I'll never do that again. I hate the rejection part. And, and as a reminder, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the message. They're rejecting Jesus. But he says, even in those moments of rejection, I want you to stand on truth and I want you to keep uh, holding on to your faith. And so, um, hence the, uh, what you hinted at before is that in the midst of rejection, we have a father who stands with us. Mm -hmm. He will give us words to say when we don't have any, he will empower us to, um, stand firm when we feel like giving up and he will take care of us as we are obedient to him. And so, so this, this section is, we, we see them coming together. Jesus shares the message, works of power, is rejected by his hometown, um, friends and, and family even. And he takes that and turns around, recognizing that his followers will be rejected as well. If they follow in his footsteps, mm -hmm. he sends them out and he says, hey, listen, I want you to be dependent and I want you to stand firm in your faith. You're going to be rejected. Some people will accept you. Some people will reject you, but I want you to know that they rejected me too. Mm -hmm. So you're following in good footsteps and we will, I, my presence will be with you, you know, as you, as you go. Mm -hmm. So any, anything else from this, this, no, um, I think that that hits a lot of it. So what can we believe about God ourselves and others from this passage, these passages? Yeah, I think, I think what we can believe about God from here is, um, is that God wants to, I believe he wants to show himself. Hmm. I believe he wants to show works of power, uh, in our lives. Um, now will he always do it? No, but I think he wants to, there's a deep desire for him to reveal himself in some new and fresh ways, the word of God through his spirit, but I think also through works of power. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we can believe that God is for us and he wants to, but it, but it's dependent on uh, our faith. It's not big faith, mustard seed kind of faith, but I think his, um, our faith is connected to him working in our lives. 
And uh, I think we can walk away saying, no, God does want to do some great things in our lives. It's just a matter of us trusting him. Yeah. And and I do love that he counts our hairs because <laughs> it does show me that he sees and knows me, huh. um, that he is personally invested in me. Like God doesn't need us to be on mission for him. He can accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish apart from us. And yet he includes us in that, which I think is so amazing. And then for myself, um, just that reminder to be dependent on him. I don't need to wait until I feel like I have yeah, yeah. all my ducks in a row or all the right words or am fully equipped with whatever it is I think qualifies me. Like Jesus says, go out there. Yeah. Don't worry about that kind of a thing. And uh, so just having that courage to step out and whether it's offering an invitation, whether it's sharing a story of how God's been at work, that's what I want to depend on him, that he's going to use that and trust my reputation to him. Yeah. Great conversation. Great conversation yeah. today. Thank you, friends, for joining us. I encourage you to have a spiritual conversation yourself with someone this week. 